time for the Vintage Truth Podcast with best-selling author and Bible teacher, Jeff Kinley. Hey, welcome. It's a new week with the Vintage Truth Podcast. And hey, I'm very excited because the Vintage Truth Podcast is touching the world. Now, don't get me wrong. We're not reaching the entire world, but we are being listened to in countries like of course, the United States, Canada, Uganda, the Philippines, Russia, Sweden, the UK, Ireland, Australia, and one of those stand countries that I, I can't quite pronounce. But people are checking out the Vintage Truth Podcast, and I'm glad you are too. It's a privilege to be able to bring you God's incredible truth. And we're starting a new week, so we're going to start a little two-part study, a little two-part series on the authority of Scripture. And, you know, today, many Christians are getting their truth, their reality, from sources outside of God's revealed Word. They're getting their authority about life from blogs, from podcasts even from the internet, from memes that they see on the internet, little posters with sayings on them, you know? I mean, we get videos and we get opinions and we get, you know, our faith, the Christian faith that's, that's sort of being interwoven with political views and things like that. Where does our authority come from? Now, I believe that all truth is God's truth. In other words, if it's true, it's true. And God's behind it. But guess what? Our ultimate authority is from God's Word. And that's especially important because you and I live in a day and age where everyone thinks they're their own standard of authority. I mean, we have elevated personal opinion to Godhood status, you know? I mean, whatever someone feels, whatever they think, whatever they identify with, that all of a sudden becomes truth. And so we've really, we're deifying man. We're deifying woman. We're making gods and goddesses out of us all in our culture. And isn't that the exact same lie that Satan sold to Adam and Eve in the garden? You remember back in Genesis 3, where Eve said, we we can't touch this fruit. We can't eat this fruit because God told us not to. And what did Satan say through the voice of the serpent? He said, you're not going to die. Are you kidding me? You're going to die from eating fruit? That's ridiculous. You know what he said? He said, instead of dying, you're going to be like God. You're going to be just like God when you pursue this thing that God's told you not to. And that's what Satan's selling today. Oh, what a great product to build people up to the point where they are little gods. That's where we are. We are in a self-worshipping world. And so we have to, as Christians, we have to realize that there is another authority that is greater than personal preference, than personal opinion, than personal desire. And you ready for this? Here comes the, the haymaker punch, right? Bigger than personal rights. What God says in his word 
trumps our rights. Because in reality, we have no rights before God, essentially. Only those rights that he gives us as his children. And so everything is about personal preference. Opinion has been relegated to godhood status. And, you know, we like running our own lives. We like, we're addicted to ourselves. (laughs) It's a subtle addiction, but it must be fed every single day. So here's what's at issue here. We talk about the authority of God's word. What is at issue here is this question. What do I really believe about the Bible and its relationship to my life? Now, I can believe something about the Bible. I can call it something, right, as a Christian. But what do I believe about how it is supposed to interact and with my life. And watch this, how God has designed for his word to be an integral part of my life. What if you get to heaven one day and you go, God, why was I so depressed all the time? Why was I so anxious? Why was I so angry? Why was I so unfulfilled? Why, why did I have such little sense of purpose in my life? Why was I so powerless against temptation and sin? Why didn't you do something? And in that day, you know what God will say to you and me? If we ask that question, he'll say, you know what? I did do something. I gave you 66 books in a divinely inspired, perfect document, revelation called the Bible. I gave that to you and I gave you my Holy Spirit. And your whole point why you were down there on the earth was to interact with my word and relate to my Holy Spirit so that you could live your life and do all those things that you wanted to do and love all those people you wanted to love. All the, the problems you were supposed to overcome, the, the emotions that were controlling you, all that was manageable had you just immersed yourself in the revelation that I gave to you because it came from my heart. So, so really, at, at, at the core of asking the question about the authority of Scripture and its relationship to our lives, we're really asking a question about God. Has God done anything to help me in my life? It, it, does He deserve my worship? Does He deserve the right to rule over me? Why well, do we even know these things? Well, we don't, apart from His Word. Now, I want to say a couple of things by, by way of really opening up this topic about God's authority, okay? Something that just needs to be said about God's authority. We talk about our rights in America a lot. In fact, we get we get really skippy when people start trying to take away our rights. We have certain inalienable rights that our founding documents say that we have, the right to to life, pursue life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, right? We have amendments to our Constitution that give us certain rights. We have the right to free speech in the First Amendment, and one that's really under attack right now is the Second Amendment, the right to bear arms. Then on the flip side of all that, we've got people who demand angrily marching in the streets, trashing our streets, saying, I have the right to murder my unborn child. It's a right that I have because I am a woman. That's my right. 
So we, we love our rights, don't we? We fight for our rights. And so, but we never talk about God's rights. If we are the creation of God, and we think we have certain rights under certain governments, hey, here's a question. What rights does God have? Do you realize, realize what's embedded within that very question? That you're answering the question by asking the question? What rights does capital G-O-D have? And the answer is, he has every right and any right that he chooses. Say, so Jeff, unpack that a little bit. Okay, let's do that. All right, first of all, God did not inherit his authority, okay? It wasn't passed down to him from his father. God has no father. He has no beginning. You say, wait a minute, I can't wrap my head around that. No one can wrap their head around that. You know why? Because you, you and I have finite minds, and that concept is an infinite concept. God does not have a beginning because he's God. Once you say God, you're already admitting that he doesn't have a beginning. If you say little G-O-D, like a little God, then maybe that has a beginning. Angels have a beginning. Man has a beginning. The universe has a beginning. But God has no beginning. He did not inherit his authority from anyone. It's inherit in his person, in his essence. There was no one to bequeath authority to him. He is the pinnacle of authority. And it's always been with him. Secondly, God's authority didn't come to him by way of some sort of vote or election. You know, we in America, we... We think we can at least vote our leaders in. We can vote them out because we get to have a say-so in our system of government. Guess what? There is no say-so for us in the government of God. God is the supreme ruler. He is the king. He makes the rules. And so he didn't come to his position of ruling all that there is through someone or a group of people voting him in. He just had it. Thirdly, God did not seize his authority from someone. There wasn't some sort of pre-existing ruler that God came in and said, oh, hey, hey, whoa, whoa, we're going we're gonna to take this thing over here. I'm in charge now. Now, that's what Satan tried to do when he attempted his coup in heaven. So read about in Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel talks to us about Satan's attempted overthrow of God's throne with his great statements of I will ascend. Five times he says I will. That's what he was trying to do and God threw him out of heaven. But God did not seize his authority. There was no one to steal it from. And then fourthly, God did not earn his authority. It was already his inherently. He embodies authority. He didn't rise to authority because the Bible tells us that he is the great I am. The great I am. The, the self-existent one. God exists in himself. 
with no external forces that either cause, originate, or sustain that existence. God simply is. And he says in Exodus 3.14, I am I am that I am. He said that to Moses. Which is why in John 8.58, when the, the Jews were challenging Jesus' authority, and they said, you're not greater than Abraham, our father, because they revered Abraham to be the obviously the, the pinnacle of patriarchy in the Jewish world. You're not greater than Abraham, are you? You know, Jesus responded and said to them, he says, before Abraham was, I am. The Greek, ego, me, I am. And in that moment, those Jewish authorities knew exactly what Jesus Christ was saying when he claimed to be God Almighty. He, they knew that he was referring, referring back to Exodus 3.14, and that same Yahweh, that same God that had spoken to Moses, that same God that led Israel out of the land of Egypt, that same God that established them in the land was the one who was speaking to them, or at least a man claiming to be that one. And that's why Jesus Christ was crucified from a Jewish perspective. They charged him with blasphemy because he made himself out equal to be God. You see, our biggest mistake in thinking about God is that we think that somehow he's really just like us. But the truth is, he's nothing like us in his essence. There are attributes of God that we call incommunicable attributes. And what that means is, is that there are things and characteristics of God that cannot be transferred over to us. Things about God that we will never experience. Things about God we will never be able to say, oh, that's also true of me. Now, God is also loving and he's also just, and we can be loving and just too. There are communicable attributes, but in his essence, God is wholly other. He's transcendent. When I say wholly other, I don't mean H-O-L-Y, holy other. I mean W-H-O-L-L-Y, completely another being than we are. We don't match up to him. We don't understand him. We don't know his ways. And that's why we don't accept his authority sometimes. Because we think he's just a little bit above us, therefore we can reach up and challenge him. But God is so far above us. That's what Isaiah 55 says, that his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our, our thoughts. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so high are his thoughts above our thoughts and his ways above our ways. Well, how, how high are the heavens above the earth? Infinity. So we can't wrap our minds around some of the concept of who God is, but watch this. That all the more underscores the fact that he is the supreme authority. So if, if he created a document, a book for us, then that book then becomes the ultimate authority. Just consider from an earthly standpoint that Jesus Christ and the Father and the Holy Spirit at creation brought the world into being. The Bible tells us in Genesis 1-2 that God created the heavens and the earth and that which is within them. The Bible tells us in Psalm 24-1 that God owns the earth and all that it contains. It also says he owns everybody that's in it. I mean, ultimately, God decides 
if a person lives or dies. God decides if a person is conceived, if, if they're born. I mean, God's in charge of that. He's sovereign like that. In the end, the Bible says that God will eventually consume the earth. It tells us in Revelation 21.5 that there will be a new heavens and a new earth one day. 2 Peter 3.10 tells us that God's going to destroy the earth again, not with water this time, but with fire. In fact, it tells us in 2 Peter 3.10 that there will be, that he will burn up the earth with intense heat. You know, there was a phrase back in the 70s that Christians loved to throw around to each other. It was a phrase that was meant to communicate that we shouldn't put our allegiance and our, our time and our lives too deeply in the things of this earth and, and materialism and, and that type of thing. Why? Because of this little phrase, this little catchphrase. Bumper stickers, you know, back then had this phrase. It said this. It says, quote, it's all going to burn, end quote. It's all going to burn. Guess what? Turns out it is all going to burn. So that's one of the perspectives that we should have. But God's going to consume the earth one day. He's in charge of it. So just from a creative standpoint, God tells us that he's in charge. Secondly, just from a logical standpoint, there is no authority but God. There is no authority but God. God establishes authority on the earth. In fact, Romans 13 and verse 1 tells us, let every person be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except God. And those which exist are established by God. Psalm 62, 11 says that power belongs to God. Jesus declared in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, he said, All authority is given to me in heaven and in earth. Whoa, whoa, what a statement. A statement made not by a crazed deranged religious leader, not by some cult leader, not by some despot who's ruling a regime somewhere in some country on the earth. No, it's a statement made by a resurrected Jesus Christ, by the God-man who authenticated every word that he said while he was living and the death that he died on the cross by his resurrection that he had the power and the position to declare that he has all authority in heaven and earth. And one more verse, just establishing God's authority here. Jude 25 says, To the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. You see, God is the ultimate authority in the universe. And our job is to see ourselves in the proper light of that. And if God then has written a book, then that book is, is written, the ink on, on those original documents were written with authority. And our job is to bow before that. Listen, what Colossians 1.16 says. We'll close with this. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth, both visible 
and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created by him and for him. And that's talking about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. And if you own a Bible, then you are owning the words of Jesus Christ. The authoritative word of God written by an authoritative God. Hey, we'll pick up on this very point this coming Friday on the Vintage Truth Podcast. I'll see you then. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Truth Podcast. Please subscribe and share with a friend. For more about Jeff's ministry, go to jeffkinley.com.